Hello friends, how are you? How are you getting on? My name's Colm and this is the Sober Mess Podcast and you're very welcome. Today I'm absolutely chuffed and over the moon to be joined by me good pal Dave Gorman. Dave is a sea dipper, he's on a sober journey, he's out to get a fresh haircut for the podcast <laughs> and a new pair of Crocs and I'm absolutely Delighted to have him on, to have the chats, and just to vibe. So, Davey, how are you doing, bro? Nice haircut. Yeah, absolutely great. Thank you so much. That's the factory and cool lock and dush of this place. Nice. Life is good, brother. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. Just went down for a dip there earlier and uh, just connected, man. I love, do you know what the great thing about the sea is, man? Like, no matter what's going on in life, you just... You get away from civilization, you get away from society, you get away from the human constructs and our societal models, and you just get into the sea and you're just in the moment and you just realize nothing's really that important. Nothing's worth getting stressed out about. You know, if your health's good and your fucking mind's good and the people you love are good, nothing else is really that important. It really shows you how small you really are when you're out there in that ocean, doesn't it? Like, mm, uh, 100%, man. It's like, Something about the ocean and the stars, you know, like even the other day there, the full moon, and just sitting there appreciating it and just being like, there's so much more to life than the stuff that we allow, allow us to get stressed out about. Like a majority of the things that stress us out aren't going to matter in like five five years or five months or five weeks or a lot of stuff's not in five minutes, you know? No. And we just get, we get attached to it and we overthink and we overanalyze and then it's just like, right, just, and then it's stuff like the moon and the sea bring us back to the present moment, connect us in with nature, and just really look, look at we've won life, we're here for a blip, we're here for an instant. If you look at the scale of how long the world has existed, we're only here for a blip. So I was like, don't get bogged down with stresses or worries or comparisons or I should have, would have, could have, or the why me is. And it's just like, right, let's just grab this by the horns and, and do what we can and make the most of it like you know yeah I absolutely love that like that's all I know some people like if they went into a Starbucks or a Costa and someone got their coffee wrong that is their day absolutely ruined and I was just like there's more to life than this man 100% oh, wasting man. your life away worrying about things that just do not matter at yeah. all Ah, oh, stop, man that was my life for so long though I, my mental health was like an Ikea flat pack you know, on the outside it looked great, it looked amazing. But as soon as there was any turbulence, as soon as it was put under any pressure, it would fall apart. You know, like a chest of drawers over IKEA, you put a pair of underpants <laughs> in them and they and they just collapse. But uh, and that's what that's what was like in my life, man. You know, if anything got to me, you know, it'd be so just my head would be wrecked. You know, if anything wasn't going my way, and I remember hearing this quote before that it's, it's not that I'm having a bad day; it's just not going my way. You know what I mean? And I had to learn to be more fluid, you know what I mean? And just go with the things, the way things are going, you know what I mean? If all your ducks aren't in, in a row, just learn to adapt and, you know, kind of overcome a lot of stuff. Like, you know, because we can be so rigid and it's like, I'm only happy if A, B or C is going my way. And if it's not going my way, I can't be happy. And I think, like, even social media, you know, you could... Get up in the morning and be a feel big smile in your head. You got a big sea dip, you know. You had a lovely breakfast and a bit of meditation. Read a bit of your book, whatever. You're in great form. Next thing you jump on social media and like, oh look at your man's over there traveling or he's just they're they're doing great. They've loads of money or you know this that or the other and you're comparing yourself and yeah. you see your man with the private jet or the bleeding new Gucci fucking jocks or whatever the thing is and straight away you're like. I couldn't possibly be happy, sure. He's so much more than me, like, you know? I know what you're saying, but that's all about perspective, isn't it? Like, we're all on the same journey, just we're all going different paths, and that's it. That's why I used to be the exact same as you, and just totally just worry about myself. I'll tell you even, like, a quick little thing what you said there. So I remember we had a friend, and I walked around, and he got sacked out of the job, and his whole life came crumbling down. He ended up going home, becoming a personal trainer, now he's online doing personal training, living his best life. Just unbelievable the way things worked out for him. And at that moment, he thought getting sacked out of that job was the worst thing that ever happened to him. And it ended up turning out to the best thing that ever happened to him. So it's just things, it's just whatever way you look at things, you know. And I have to say, like, it's just a great story. I keep telling him, you have to tell the whole story that. 
and he won't put her up. Like, he's big on Instagram, but he won't do it for some reason. But the worst thing that he thought that happened in his life turned out to be the best thing that ever happened to him. I love that, man. And there's so much wisdom in that, you know. I remember, um, you know, I remember I was really struggling, you know, and uh, I was really struggling with the drink and the drugs and everything else. And, you know, I remember reaching out to someone that was sober and... Uh, I was like, he said to me, look, he would have been a very spiritual man, you know, a very religious man. And I was like, how do I get out of this? And he goes, just pray. I said, what do I pray for? He says, you pray for pain. I said, what do you mean you pray for pain? And I just thought that was profound. But today I know what he meant by that, you know, because it was only through rock bottoms and pain that I overcame my my, my addiction and my, my mental health struggles. You know, it was like I hit that rock bottom. And it's that saying, you know, it's the breakdowns or the breakups that lead to breakthroughs. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. And, and that's and that's it. When you when you see someone that's in a bad way, you're nearly hoping that they go through suffering because that suffering and that pain will, will catapult them to that. Uh, I don't know if you want to say enlightenment or, or that change of life. You know, and uh, it's like that 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 old analogy. You know, if you're on the on the beach and say or on the pavement and it's so warm and it's so hot. And you can't just stand there in your bare feet and the pain is so bad. You're either going to run to one side or the other to get into the shade, to get out of pain. And I think that's a lot of the, a lot of the case with pain as well. That You know, like we were talking about your friend there, you know, he went on the personal training, but the, the, the spark to that dynamite that like, blew him into this life that he has today was originally pain and a, and a rock bottom. You know what I mean? Yeah. So sometimes when you see someone that's going through profound pain, you know, it's leading to something like, it's leading to something magical. So that's why I always say to people, like, don't quit before that miracle happens. You know what I mean? There's something great just around the corner. So just keep the, the head up, keep trudging, and, you know, there's something magic about to happen. Yeah, pain is fuel. That's the way I look at it. Like, I, always, I always look back to my old life when, when I was just so heavy into addiction, and I just use that pain to fuel me. Like, even sometimes, oh, I want an extra hour in bed, and I just use what that old life was like and it just gets you through you know like growth comes from discomfort and yeah. even when I was going on these sea dips like I, I was going on a real Dave at Goggins boys you know and yeah. what I got from him is it's just being comfortable getting comfortable being uncomfortable and putting yourself into them situations because you can't grow if you're just you're on the couch you're watching Netflix get out there in the rain get your jog in go out there get the cold shower into you and you just you just evolve as a person. It doesn't happen when you're just sitting around being comfortable, you know. Yeah, it's mad. It's like it's that thing. The treasure is hidden underneath the discomfort zone. You know because, what I mean? And it's it's everything that you do that makes you feel uncomfortable. It could be applying for that job. It could be fucking going back to school. It could be asking that person out. It could be get joining the gym for the first time, going for a run for the first time. You know, going on a whole new way of life or letting go of old toxic patterns or old toxic relationships. Sometimes the hardest things to do are benefits the most, you know, and the, and that's the thing. It's, it's like there's no there's no growth in the comfort zone and there's no comfort in the growth zone. Exactly. You like when you put yourself into them types of situations, that's when you will really learn who you really are as a person, you know. Yeah, yeah, and I love that. And you were talking about perspective as well. If you change your perspective, you know, Wayne Dyer has that quote: "You change the way you look at things; the things you look at change." And yeah, this is a Jay Shetty podcast. You now he's talking about this story where you know there's this farmer on the sun, and they, oh, I love it, I love and it. And the, the horse runs off, you know, yeah, and yeah. and the and the son says to the dad, "Oh, now the horse had to run off. This is this is terrible news." And the dad just says, "I I will see." Next thing the next day, the horse comes back with a wild with this stallion, and the son's like, "This is brilliant news. We have another horse now. This is great." And the dad says, "Ah, yeah, sure. Look, we'll see." And so the son is riding the horse, and whatever and he falls and he breaks his leg, and he can't walk or anything. And the and the, the neighbours come over and go, "Jesus, this is terrible. I'm so sorry to hear your son broke his leg." And he goes, "This is terrible news." And he goes, "Yeah, we'll see." And next thing, the, the, the next day, the, 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 the army comes around and they're recruiting all the young people and they come in and they go to recruit the son and they see the broken leg and they say, right, we'll, we'll give him a dismissal because he's a broken leg. So he doesn't have to go to war. And then the, and, and then the son says, geez, that's great news, don't have to go to war. And the dad just says, look, we will see. But it's always that thing, man. In, like, when you we're don't going know to, what's around the corner. You don't know what's around the corner. Exactly. And no matter how... You know, at the time, it could be something really, you're going through something really painful, 
But then in hindsight, in retrospect, you look back, I mean, like, wow, that was a blessing. You know what I mean? That was a blessing. That was the universe working in my favour. I could be removing something from your life or putting something in your life. And when you're in the middle of it, in the midst of it, it's so hard to see the positive in it. But it's only yeah. in the long term. You go, well, it's like when you're a kid and your mom saying, no, you're not allowed to have chocolate this hour. No, you need to go to bed. And, you know, and you're like, this is so unfair. You know, I'm going to stay up and <laughs> eat chocolate and watch what I want till all hours. And, and it's only when you grow up as an adult and you see that the... Although the, you, you thought at the time they're being harsh, but they're just being loving and they're out for your best interests, you know what I mean? Exactly. And it's the same when we're going through pain and we look back going, wow, that was actually a blessing in disguise, like, you know? Yeah, that's it. Like I said, like I used to, like I felt so sorry for myself before, like, because I basically just felt like I, like I wasted four to five years of my life just being in addiction. And if I didn't go through that, I wouldn't have what I have now. I wouldn't think the way I'm thinking now. I wouldn't be sitting here speaking with the Sober Mess podcast Colin <laughs> Dolan so everything happens for a reason man and that's what I said before when I was I must have been three weeks clean I think and I got in touch with you saying Matt I listened to your podcast you're saying about the high tides or something saying I feel like getting onto me council saying I can't get enough of these high tides and man I was in bits laughing and that's when only you are starting off and it's just life is a great journey man it's absolutely unbelievable I would not even what I went through I would not take any of it away if it would have like sacrificed who we are now you know I love that man I love that bring us on a bit of a bit of a journey of your journey sorry tell us a bit about your journey bit of moisture so basically it was mostly well 90% basically just cocaine that's what got into me so I used to dry sniff there's a little heading for you know? yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I, so I was just I got, I got injured playing football dry sniffing is, it's like it's, it's, it's not without drinking isn't it sober yeah, snorting essentially just basically yeah Yeah. I heard that's a lot worse for you as well okay. <laughs> it's a mind but uh, so basically football would have been my whole life and just quickly so I got injured I couldn't play football anymore I start going out more with my friends doing it and then I started noticing that I was starting to do it a lot more. And then the opportunity came up for me to go work in Denmark. I took the insurance money out, went to Denmark. And then the, I was just away from my family. I was living with fellas my own age. I was over there for a year. And then the addiction just progressed, progressed, progressed. And I was doing it probably three or four times a week. And then I had to come home to go to FUSS to go to college and basically so I went from 750 euro a week to 120 euro a week and I just had so many bills I couldn't do it we ended up getting a job on a night shift in a warehouse and then that's just when the addiction just reached its peak and then for the next two to three years then it was just uh, basically a struggle to try get clean but things got very very dark and it was just constant use of cocaine six to seven days a week zero sleep most times like just uh heavy but we're doing great now yeah and like what well like how did you see the progression in that did you just see like a slowly just started to build up you know where you're like doing it out where you're going out with the lads was it like right that with everyone you were hanging around with or did you find yours was just standing out more like when did you felt like you crossed that line from you were just doing it to socialise, but crack with the lads, whatever. And then it goes to, like, you you couldn't live without it. Yeah, so it was socialising at the start. And then when I went to Denmark, it was the same thing. It was socialising. But then I'd end up getting one just, let's say, after work on a Tuesday. Because like, everyone over there is, like, so the lads would bring her over from Ireland and all. So it was so, it was so like, I went over there to get away from it and I ended up being surrounded by it. And I, I don't know, like, the lads were off playing football and stuff and I couldn't really do much with my knee. I can't even, like, jump off a little wall or my knee is gone, like. And I don't know, it was like, it was like a part of me was just missing and the, the drugs were just filling that part in, you know. Yeah. Like, it made me just not think about it. And so it went from a social thing to basically complete isolation, just complete paranoia, stuff like that. And then... Obviously, when I came home, went on the night shift. That's when I was doing it during the night in work. I'd get home from work. There was a, a drug dealer I knew. He had, a, had to be in work at 8 o'clock. I'd get off at 8 and I'd meet him. So I'd go on it as soon as I got home. 
I probably could fall asleep for like an hour back up for work and just recycle the pound. But I was after that after when I came home from Denmark, there was no like going to pubs with friends and doing it. It was just complete isolation in my bedroom. And the only reason I'd leave my bedroom is if I had to go and get another bag and then straight back in the house. That was it. And that was just our new normal then. Seemed. That was just the, the new normal. That's what everyone always says to me, like, like, what were you doing? And I'd be literally just in my room, like, just smoking cigarettes. And notice some people get real chatty or aggressive. I was just, like, paralyzed, like, paranoia. Like, me, me dad or mad walk into the room. Like, we, we can't talk when I've done it. Like, it's, it's just, I don't know what it done to me. I just, I just don't, I just think I've just done so much like every day that it just like it hit me very quickly like uh, it fell deep into addiction very quickly you know that's mad man and you did you find it hard to fund it to fund so the way it worked, i was getting paid but when i was over in denmark i was making like 750 a week that was easy so i wasn't really at any war stages then but then when i came home i was getting paid with a month and i basically had like 10 different people I used to get it off and i knew all of them so basically, my whole month's like salary just went to them. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I, I couldn't like pay them all what they were owed, but once they were getting like two hundred on me or three hundred on me, like they didn't mind. So I, I won't even be left with like a hundred euro at the end of the month for myself. Like, and people find that very hard to believe and all. But like, I literally, I did, I barely ate food. Mm-hmm. I didn't buy new clothes. It was just that was just my whole life. Like, just absolute madness. Like, yeah. But that's the thing, man. It becomes our new normal. We, we we just become so desperate for that next hit. You know, it's like, yeah, exactly. like you know, it doesn't matter like about food or about like showing up for our responsibilities or, or harming the people we love. You know, we're just we get that tunnel vision and we're just trying to ease that in our turmoil. You know, and it's like Gollum out Lord of the Rings. You know, we precious and the yeah, that's coke, like. alcohol. You know, whatever the addiction is, man, it's just we, we, we get that tunnel vision, nothing else matters, you know, and we just yeah. we just go chasing it and yeah, I love that when you're talking about like you're just we injured and you, you know, you all your kind of football prospects and the things that make you happy was taken away and you're just left with this massive void and then Cole came along and just seemed to you know, at first it seemed this great thing. It was just it was just fun yeah. and then it was fun with problems and then it was just problems. You know, and I yeah. think that's how any addiction starts off at first it's just a bit of crack you'll say with the lads and then uh, then it's kind of starting to go more kind of you know just you're drinking on your own you're starting to get into a bit of trouble and it's just starting to affect you a little bit but then it th- turns that corner and it starts to affect your mental health your physical health your relationships big your time, job you know and uh, it's really hard to see when you turn that cross that line you know one end one second you're sitting in the pub with the lads and then the next you're as you said, you're sitting at home smoking cigarettes and doing lines and it's crazy. That's why I, I had even like people that like my friends that all work abroad and all, and I'd have people that like I used to know and like I'd be talking to them now and they'd be asking like my best mate and all, like, oh, how's David getting on? And they'd just literally say, Ah, yeah, he's gone, he's gone. Basically just talking as if I was, I was dead already, you know. Just and no contact or anyone. It's crazy. What what was the turning point for you when you reached out for help? Uh, so I actually I, I reached out for help a few years ago and my family got me in touch with a counsellor and it was just like I'd meet her once a week but I still I still kept going down but like it, it, that didn't get me off anything uh, like she'd give me stuff to do like uh, worksheets and like she did she tried but it, it just didn't work and then I think I went a year I was with her for a year and then like another year went by and like I just basically deteriorating my teeth were in bits so it was a bag of bones like I got dropped down to nearly like 50 kg like I'm like I'm 79 kg now just at my normal way so it was just it was basically I was about to die when I really was about to die and I got in touch with a counselor then and then they got they were getting me into rehab but this is when COVID was going on and I finally Got a bed then for, I think it was Kilmoyan, and I'd managed then, I was clean for two months. That was the longest. It's that. a treatment centre, isn't it? Yeah, it's a rehab, yeah. And I would have been going in there for 12 months. And when I finally did get the bed over COVID, I was two months clean off everything. So 
I decided to just like right up John well, I'm actually doing well now, I'm gonna keep this going and yeah, that was it then. I haven't looked back since. That's class, man. That's unreal. Yeah. Yeah, man. I it's mean, just, I don't, like it's I, I don't really know because I just like people because people always ask me when you rock bottom and all and I remember because I started on the Tuesday and I finished on the Saturday and I was looking in the mirror at myself and I broke down, crying my eyes out. And I don't know what it was about that day, but we could, it was the first time I could just actually see the destruction that it caused on my life, my family's life. Like, my family are the nicest people in the world, always support me. And, like, I remember I found, uh, it was like a, a, like a Christmas card my dad gave to my ma, and it was like, happy Christmas, and that, lots of love. And then just at the end, I hope things get better soon. And oh, just God. absolutely devastating, yeah. you know. <clears throat> but I remember seeing that, and I still continued on doing what I was doing. But there was just there was something about that day that I just said, "Look, I cannot do this anymore," you know. And lucky, lucky for me, not many people get to like reach that point. But that was just my point, and no relapse, no nothing. Just that was that day. Haven't looked back since, you know. It's like instead of just going to the top of the mountain, there's only one way down, and that's back down. So what I do now is I'm just at the edge of that cliff. I'm just looking forward, not looking back, not looking down, you know? Because I'm not one slip and you could be gone. I love that, man. And, like, when you first, like, got clean, did you, did you find the early days a struggle? Ah, big time. So, like, I've just come into, like, the last month of me when I was using, like, I went into a drug and juice psychosis. So I was hallucinating and I was seeing things that wasn't there and I was hearing things that weren't there. And even when I got clean, for a good, I'd say, three weeks or a month, I was still hearing things and seeing things that weren't there. And I was like, oh, I'm after completely fucking myself up all together here. You know, I'm a month off everything, I'm still hearing and seeing things. Then as things went on, it just went away. But the first few days, we were, I have to say, they were very rough. Like, I was, I was sleeping a lot, then I was awake all night. Then I was eating a lot, then I couldn't eat. Like, I went through bad withdrawals, just the shakes and muscle spasms all over me that's why i have a problem with me two rotator cuffs and they're basically just from all the times i just spent on my bed just frozen just cutting me off so but the first few days were very tough i'd even say the first month was tough but just like i want you to just keep on going keep on going and get through it like there's a rainbow on the other side you know yeah i love that man and it, it just becomes a new normal you know what i mean as we talked about that negative new normal you know as like I always said to myself, I remember when I was drinking and I was like, oh, if we ever fucking drink in the morning, I'll give it up. Or if I ever drink and walk, or if I ever drink and ever leads me to, to get me into trouble. And all these things eventually happened. But yeah. you just justify and rationalise it and then it just becomes your new normal. But then when you get sober, man, and, you know, like it's like waking up for a, like a 7 a.m. seed dip on a Sunday and feeling fresh or getting up for a run or you know, going hiking at the weekends or, like, you know, hanging out with people that don't drink and go, go, a weekend going past and you didn't actually go into the pub and at first this this was so bizarre. Like, I remember getting sober and like, so what do all these sober people do? Like, they just sit in the Floyd and I watch the light light show, like, you know, and, uh, like, I didn't think you were able to have any crack being sober. Like, I, I didn't think, like, I thought, I always associated, like, a healthy, a, like, popular you know, social life being like locked in our head every weekend, yeah. you know, and I, I didn't think anything else existed out of that. And then when I got sober, you know, and be, meeting the people down in the 44 and all you guys out in Port Marnock and, you know, just the, and the laugh and the crack and that belly laugh, you know, I just like, yeah. the, and man, you know what? And you just, you find your own tribe, you know, and, and that was the thing for me. That's what we found it the, the hardest, you know, I think, um, like, to have that community element, you know, where when you do get sober, to have people around you on the same boy, because it's really hard to heal in the same environment that got you sick. And what I mean yeah. by that was that your 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 circle will always justify and rationalise your habits, you know, they'll normalise your, your drinking or your using habits, you know. Of all the lads are doing it, surely it can't be that bad, you know, so your drinking doesn't stick out if all them are drinking the same or whatever, you know, and then it's like, and, and then near the end of my drinking, like I was drinking with lads that did like, like stayed up 
session in that for three or four days and then into work and then the, not a bother um, yeah not a bother <laughs> whereas I was I was in a jocker and uh, you know and it was only when I got out of that kind of thing and out of that normal that you realise just how abnormal it was you know Mate, it's, um, it's crazy it's crazy and slowly I think naturally you gravitate towards people who do drink and use like you so you're own drinking and using doesn't stand out and you don't feel gu- guilty or whatever yeah. you know so for me, it was important for me to leave that environment because I, I tried so many times to get sober. And the problem was I'd, I'd, I'd get a week or two sober and I'd go back to the bar with all the lads and I'm not drinking. I'm on the my body and the sparkly water. And I'd be getting all the pats on the back. Oh, well done, Collie. You're not to drink. Fair play to you, man. It suits you. And then the next week, like you're just sitting there and you feel like a weirdo because you're not drinking and you're like... And then you feel like you're the odd one now. You know, yeah. they look normal and you're the weirdo. You know what I mean? Yeah. And eventually you just that that want that want to fit in and just be accepted, whatever, and you just end up drinking again to fit in with your circle, you know. So for me trying to remove myself from that environment, you know, and surrounding myself on a on a sober journey as well, you know. And I, you know, as you know yourself, like I, I went into the twelve step community through AA and you know, then I was introduced to like a hiking community and then into sea dipping and you know, just all this, all this whole different range of habits and activities that didn't revolve around alcohol, like, you know, but it did, I needed, I think my environment, you know, definitely needed to change in order for me to get sober. Yeah, completely, man. It's like, so I was like always hanging around with lads since I was the age of five, like, and literally they're just doing the same. I remember them even saying to me, so, like, you're not a bit sick that you're out there ruining it for yourself. Like, I'm like, what do you mean? So, I'm like, you can't have a, a drink or another sniff again, can't you? No. And I was like, no. And I'm, I'm absolutely delighted that I can't. You know what I mean? It's like you said, it's all about energy. So, like, when I was in that addiction buzz, all I could see were, like, other addicts and who sold coke, who was doing coke. And now that I'm away from that, it's just like you're just attracting all people that are on the same wavelength as you, like, I never knew there were people. There was a sea dipping community. I never, never knew about any of that at all. Like you know, I remember even the early stages. I was going out and I sit there. I was too afraid to get in the water. I was just like my head was still a bit of a mess, and I was looking at all these people, and then got chatting to someone down there, and they're like, "What's not get in and all?" And then the next day, he went down, got in. But man, it's like you said, your vibe attracts your tribe. You know, yeah. like, and that's why even the lads always hang around with me whole life. Like I just. I had to cut toys with them now. I was still, like, staying in contact. Like, one of them said to me, here, going for a sunrise dip, or we're going for a hike. Do you want to come with me? Like, yeah, 100%, let's do it. Like, here, three o'clock matches are on. We're going to the pub. You're coming out. Not a chance. Yeah. Not a fucking chance. And that's it. It's, it's all about who you surround yourself with. You know, if you whoever, if there's four people, and you're with them four people, you're going to be the fifth person. We're all going to be the exact same, you know? Yeah, I love that, man. It's so true. We have habits and mindsets are, are contagious. And it's actually gas, because I, I went down to the, the old local pub there not too long ago, and uh, she brought, <coughs> brought me, me ma for dinner for her birthday, and uh, and all my old mates were sitting in the pub in the exact same seats, in the exact same corner, talking the exact same shit. Like... <laughs> Man, and it's just like a time warp. It's like they're stuck in this time warp. And this is like 10 years ago. Like, since we were like 16, 17. And they're still doing it and talking the same shit. And, man, I remember that. Like, that was my dream. I was living my best life. Sitting on that bar still, having the crack, having the banter, you know. And then telling the lads, oh, someday I'm going to do a marathon. Someday I'm going to go traveling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Someday I'm going to do this. Someday I'm going to do that. And you never do anything, you know, and because the only, like, all your fulfillment, all your needs, all your aspirations, they're all getting satisfied with drinking drugs. So you don't need, you don't want to go out chasing these things, you know what I mean? What's the point of going up and hunting for your dinner when it's getting delivered to you? Like, you know what I mean? That's exactly. all. And that was it for me. That all my fulfillment was getting needs through the drinking drugs. And the lads were doing it as well. So that kind of justified all my circle were doing it, you know what I mean? So exactly. I, I felt that sense of, approval around me you know and then it was like when I got away from that man I just looking back and just seeing how kind of you know monogamous and just fucking boring and all is and I used to adore this lifestyle I used to think this was glamorous I used to think this was 
unreal, like, you know what I mean? Living my best life. It's crazy. And now I look back, you know what I mean? As you go, you still have to drink. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, does that mean you just have a few cans at home now? Does it? <laughs> yeah. I know, I know, yeah, I just couldn't conceive being off the drink, just went like not drinking like at all. Did you not even drink at Christmas or anything? But that was me, man. I remember that first time we met someone that was in AA. You know, my dad was sober as well. He was in AA and he introduced me to one of his friends and he was trying to get me sober for years. And I remember going up meeting this lad and you know, and I was talking to him, I said, so come here, you said, will you have a few, will you have a few Christmas, will you? Because in my head, he was going to tell me how I could drink and control me drinking without blacking out, you know what I mean, without being a mess. And I talked to him and I said, so do you never drink? No. Do you not even drink at Christmas? No. What about Paddy's Day? No, no. What? Don't even on a Tuesday or Friday? No. What about, what about St. Bridget's Day, you know? When, when, when I was alcoholic, I'd celebrate any occasion, any festive yeah. period. I didn't even know a Bridget's Day existed. But as soon as you're gargling, like, I have to drink just yeah, St. Yeah. Bridget's Day. You can't bleed and not drink for that, yeah. you know? And and I, could, I just couldn't get my head around that this lad didn't drink, you know? And uh, it was bizarre, you know? And I remember thinking, what am I going to do? I can't, I can't never drink again. And he's like, and what about Christmas? I said, sure, it's only March, Colin. Don't be worried about Christmas. <laughs> and what he said to me, look, I said, are you ever going to drink again? Ever? He says, I don't know about ever, but I'm just not going to drink today. And that's, okay. and, and, and that was, that's the, that was the main thing, you know, if we can get to 12 o'clock and get to the bed, I'm not going to drink and that's all right and that's enough for me. And I was like, oh, yeah, when you put it that way, I just, I just need to stay sober today, like, you know. And that is the way to look at it. And he said, there's no point, like, he said, the longest someone, the world record for the longest person that's sober is whoever woke up the earliest this morning, you know. And okay. that's, it's just one day. It's not about the years or the decades or the fucking millenniums you're off it, you know. It's just for today, one day at a time. And it just made it so much more manageable. I wasn't thinking, just over Christmas or Paddy's Day or fucking St. Bridget's Day. You know, it was just day off, it just like today. You know what I mean? Just one day at a time. And there was times, you know, especially in my early days, where it was one moment at a time. You know, you talked yeah. about that at the start of the podcast where, like, if something wasn't going your way, you know, if, if you know, you, you didn't get the job you wanted or you didn't get, if someone beat us in a traffic jam or they're out bleeding oat milk in the coffee shop, you know, Something just triggers you, and that want to drink, you know, or that want to use, and just saying, right, I just, I'm not gonna drink till two o'clock, three o'clock, four o'clock, whatever the thing is, just to break it down to the next moment, like you know what I mean. And yeah, look, I'm really fortunate the people that I met, you know, when it, when I got sober and kind of the wisdom and and the help that I got off them, um, because it is look, it, it definitely have, when you're able to have someone people around you that you can be open and honest with and just say, look, I kind of, you know, just someone you can shoot the, shoot the breeze with, like, you know what I mean? And yeah. be real with, you know, and I think that's always important to have a good, when you're, like, taking the sober journey, to have a really good support network around you, you know? Yeah, that's it. It's like the opposite from addiction is connection, you know? And that's that. the way, uh, we only heard that today. There was, like, a little, a little uh, experiment done in the 1970s. I don't know if you heard it, the Rassi. Right. But probably butcher it, but they basically put a rat in a cage with two bottles. One was water, one was water and heroin. And each time the rats would go for the heroin and they'd die. And then they done another experiment about rat city. So it was loads of different loads of rats. They had the best of food, little things to play in. They were all having sex, having a great time. And it was the same thing, the two water bottles, one with water, one with heroin. And not one rat died from going near the heroin. They were just drinking out of water. So that's like, like addiction. The opposite of addiction is a hundred percent connection, community. You know, I and that. I'm rather butchering that. I was only listening to it today. What's unbelievable is, and it's it's like you're saying, man. It's just a uh, we honestly like community. I think, especially when you're getting sober, you're getting clean. It's the most important thing. Really, like it really is. You like like what's it alone? You have to do it, but you can't do it alone. You know. Yeah, I love that, man. Yeah. That's fascinating, isn't it? And I think Portugal adopted a new policy around the uh, around drug and drug punishment and convictions, where they stopped convicting people for using drugs. You know, because like you think someone someone that's like say they have a heroin addiction and they go to prison and they come out of prison and 
they're trying to rehabilitate, rehabilitate themselves, but they can't get a job because they have a criminal conviction, you know what I mean? And yeah. so, so they go back straight down the same road because someone gets, as you've said, rap parks, your community, it's your, the habits you're engaging in, you know, it's trying to find something positive. And if you don't find something stimulating and positive, we go back to our old ways, our old friends, our old habits, etc. So Portugal adopted this thing where, you know, they, they were endorsing, like say mechanics or laborers or cra- cra- crafts people to take on people who were coming out of rehab and like in, in, in send them incentives in, in sending them incentives to take people on you know and they found that this kind of you know this has such a positive impact on the drug crisis in Portugal that so much so that other countries have also adopted it now that yeah, they stopped criminalizing yeah. people for using for for, for drugs. And started using it as a way of seeing it as a sickness, you know, that they're unwell, like, you know what I mean? And how they, how, how they can bring them back into civilization and society with, without a conviction that getting them a job and finding them, giving them a sense of purpose and meaning, you know? That's an unbelievable idea, exactly. Like you said, like going to prison, that is not going to solve anything, especially for a drug addict. If they come out, they just be going back doing the exact same thing. Like you need support, you need community, and you need people that just give you a chance, you know? That's all anyone ever needs is a chance. Yeah, that, that's, that's it, man. Sometimes it's just an ear, an ear to listen to, you know what I mean? Because exactly. I think, you know, a lot of people, like a lot of people already know the solution, but they're just not ready to take the action, you know? And they're probably sick yeah. of people telling them, you know, you should be doing it, you should be doing this, or you should be doing that, you know, and uh, sometimes it's just to have someone in a non-judgmental fashion that you can just talk to and not worry about, like, you know, unsolicited advice or worry about getting told off or worry about, you know, other people's opinions. That's why I think therapy is so good because... You can like talk to a stranger and throw out all your personal stuff, all the stuff that's bothering you, all the stuff that's on your mind, all your insecurities, and just not worry about, geez, I don't want to say this to my mom in case she gets worried about me, or I don't want to say this yeah. to my friends in case they slag me, or I don't want to say this to my boss in case he doesn't trust me. Not you know being George. Yeah, and whereas you can say this to just a stranger and you can just throw it all out there. And 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 that thing where you know, we all know our own solutions, but we're just not ready to take the action yet. And then when you say something now, and then you hear yourself saying it, it's like, oh, yeah, well, now that you... Yeah, and someone just says it back to you, and you're like, oh, yeah, that makes so much sense now. But when I was analysing it in my head and breaking it down, I just, it was stressing me out. And that's what I think journaling as well is another great deal, because you have yeah. something that's bothering you, that's on your mind, that's giving you anxiety, and you just throw it down a bit of paper. You can kind of break it down and make and process it and make it more manageable. Whereas I find when you're trying to solve problems in your head, it's like trying to log on to fucking Facebook on the toaster, you know? It's like, yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's just my, it just, you just can't. But then when I break it down and put it onto a, a list of paper, and I find 19, like what we were saying at the start, 99% of the stuff that bothers me is probably never going to happen, you know? It's like the fear, what does fear stand for? Future uh, events appear in real. Future events appear in real. I love that. Our false evidence appear in real. And we realise yeah. that it's all these assumptions and mad scenarios that we wake up in our imagination that actually never happens, you know what I mean? Yeah. And we never learn from, oh yeah, I remember last time I had a headache and I Googled it and it told me I only had two weeks to live and I was going around all day with anxiety and, you know, worrying I'm going to die. But then it turned out it was grand. But then a month later I get another headache and I go straight down thinking the same thing. And it's like we never learn from our old kind of... But that's what we found, because I think that's human nature as well. I've listened to podcasts about how, because of survival and evolutionary needs, that we'll always kind of, you know, we'll always focus on the negativity in life. You know, we'll always yeah. focus on the bad news because it will help our chances of survival. So if you left a cave and on your left you're seeing a rainbow and on your right you're seeing a dinosaur, you're going to be more focused on the dinosaur, aren't you? You know what I mean? So. So when you put, you've evolved now 10,000 years or whatever and that dinosaur is now your boss or it's now your relationship or it's now the bills or it's now your, your car or it's now approval on social media or whatever the thing is that the old dinosaur that used to chase us and biting us, now it's all the, the, the modern day stuff but we're still feeling the same stress as all that stuff, you know what I mean? So that's why I find meditation, journaling, therapy, sea dipping, healthy communities... They just, it's, they just de-stress us, you know, because all yeah. this stuff can build up stress. And then unless we learn to 
find things to de-stress or put holes in that stress bucket. You know, when that bucket's filling up with life, just find the little things to help you to de-stress and kind of bring you back down again. Exactly. That's why people say to me all the time, like, what do I do to, like, stay clean, stay sober? And it's like, so I have, like, a sober app. So that asks you every day, how did your day go? So I just write down how my day went. Uh, the meditation, just being very mindful. I listen to a lot of podcasts just about self-growth, personal development, stuff like that. I do my sea swims. We exercise regularly or stay in a routine. And I don't even look at them as like, I do these now, so I stay clean and I'll stay clean forever. It's it's basically just at their turning. That, that's my life now. It's just, it's a lifestyle. When before, it's like, I have to get this dip in and all. I remember even forced on a cop with my girlfriend and she's like so I think I think with our ma was a bit worried saying like oh look if you get stressed like uh like what happens and all I was just joking or saying I'll oh, just have your bath filled in your house just so we can go you in the basin in town you get stressed you have to dive into the liffy you know what I mean oh love it that's gas man yeah very funny but it's all just You'll, you will find out what works for you. I could not see a life outside football. I, I literally had no other interest except having a laugh, football, and I see swimming. I would have been on and off in the gym. Now I'm like, have a real passion for going to the gym, out cycling, and then just like talking just to people with yourself as well. Like It's just uh, it's just crazy how like, you think it's the end of your world and like you're only basically getting going, you know? But I love all... We're going 100 miles an hour, man. That that cold water and just like sitting still, taking everything in. Like, this that's what really works for me. That's, I only heard another great uh, quote today. It's a real short one, but it's the only way you out starts from within. And mm. That's all I'm all, just being present and just being here. There's nothing else I'm thinking about right now except talking to Colin Dillon, you know? I love that, man. Yeah. Presence, man. It's something we can really struggle with, isn't it? Just being here in the present moment and. Do you ever read that book, The Power of Now, Edgar Tolle? No, I've listened to Edgar Tolle a lot on podcast, though, yeah. Yeah, and, and that's where I got from just being present, being present. So he's the one that put that into me. Yeah, and it's a hard. And, and the, reading that book, man, actually taught me how to meditate because I thought meditation was like, you know, you, you need to get out the yoga mat and cross your legs. And, yeah, yeah, like, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the incense and om and <laughs> levitate out the window, you know. And I like yourself, man, it's such a hyper fucking mind and body and I can't sit still you know and uh, I remember reading his book and he's just like well whatever you do in a present state you know where you're just so intensely present and it could be washing your hands it could be brushing your teeth it could be chewing your food you know it could be like like this conversation we're having where we're engaged we're listening and I, and then it was like just even going for a run you know going for a dip you know going hiking in nature looking at the stars you know look connecting with the outdoors, you know, but just doing it in a, in a present state where we're not in our mind, you know, where being mindful is more about being mindless, where we're not in Love our it. minds, we're just in the in the present moment, like, you know, and I found that a massive help for me, man, because when your mind's going 90 all day, it's like the fucking washing machine on spin dry, and then just getting a, getting a break from it when you're just kind of there in the present moment, and you're not kind of, you know what I mean, just getting fucking stressed out in your head like you know and, and I find that you know you're talking about my, my, that journey and I still remember someone saying to me one of the most profound journeys you'll ever make is from your head to your heart you know and I remember my friend telling me this story you know and he, was, he said he was in a really bad place and he was in the car one day and driving along and he looked in the mirror and he seen his daughter in the back seat and he just thought to himself well, I'm so blessed and grateful and so in love with this little girl of mine you know I'm just She's just gorgeous and I love the bones of her and I'm just so lucky to have her, you know. And then he looks slightly to the left in the mirror and he's seen a reflection of himself. And straight away, you know, that critic started going, Jesus, man, you're getting old, you know, you're, you, you know, you're losing your hair, them wrinkles, you're going grey. And, you know, he just started beating himself up. I can't stand you, you know, hey, how you look? And, you know, just vi- ripping himself apart and... And then he noticed, like, how could he switch them gears from unconditional love for people around him? But he couldn't come to love himself, you know? And he said that was the journey that he made from his head to his heart, that it's learning to love yourself under all conditions. 
Yeah, I love that. It's like what they say, the biggest transformation starts from the neck up, you know. Yeah. That's all I just think everything, man, everything is just within you. Like if you want a happy life, it's just literally the way you look at things and it's just the way you experience things. Like there's nothing external ever gonna satisfy you, you know. It's everything starts from within you, you know. That's crazy. The guy looking at his daughter the next second just completely judging himself. It's just like it's like myself, man. My head just used to be an absolute jungle, you know just worrying about everything, everything. And I just literally just try to live it like that now, just one day at a time, just in the moment. When I'm in work, I'm giving 100% in work. If I'm chatting to my family, I'm 100% in the moment chatting to my family. And that, I, just, I think that's just the way it, like, it's, so it is a lot harder said than done, but all we'll ever guarantee is the present moment, you know? Yeah, 100% man. And, you know, I remember it, like my first sponsor in 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 recovery, you know, sponsors like someone that the kind of leads you yeah. on a kind of recovery plan or a twelve step program and kind of that 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 journey to spirituality or enlightenment or however you want to call it. And uh, you know, we, I was talking to him, how do you make amends? Like, how do you make amends to your family? You know, after all them times you harmed them, like you know, and you know, in the past, and you know, you let them down and things like that, and. He said to me, like, the best amends you can make today is to be present, is to be useful and be reliable in all your relationships, you know. And he said, that's the most spiritual thing you can do, you know, to be useful and reliable in all your affairs. And because I remember thinking, like, I remember, like, when they talk about spirituality and recovery and I said, I'm going to have to get spiritual. Does that mean, like, I can go to Africa and build a couple of schools as a missionary or a couple of hospitals or... I go to Tibet and meditate in a cave for a few years. Or, monks, yeah. Yeah, I go out, you know, like this Hollywood bleeding religious idea in my head, you know, and uh, and that was it. And this man just said to me, you know, the most spiritual thing you can do today, man, is try to go to A to B in life without taking away anyone's peace of mind. You know what I mean? Okay. Try and just be useful and reliable in all your relationships, you know? Be good to yourself and be kind to yourself and just try and add a bit of light out there to the world, like, you know, be that light in the dark. I love that, I love that, yeah, that's unbelievable. So I need to see, I mean, that's how, even talking, like, to people with you now, like, so, I, I'll, basically all my contacts are just through Instagram and all, because I haven't really done meetings or anything like that, and just all the stuff you were saying to me, like, it's just, uh, yeah, it's amazing, like a book of knowledge just coming out right at me, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know about that. A, vacant, a joke book, <laughs> a, the Beano comic. But uh, all the things I'd be thinking and stuff, and the way I'd be feeling, and then it's just like yeah. you're just saying them all out to me. Like it's just there. Uh, yeah, that that's lovely. Like unreal. Yeah, but that's the thing, man. You know, and that's what I couldn't get when I came into recovery force. You know, is you know hearing like hearing other people like, describe like the inside of your head or stuff that you felt your whole life but never heard anyone talk about. Look, I remember yeah, when I first yeah. started going to 12-step meetings and, pe- and I thought people just shared about drinking and talking like nonsense or whatever but, you know, people just talk about themselves and what's going on and what's going on for them today and how they're just managing life without needing to take a drink and how they're trying to become better people and whatever and but I felt really violated when people started sharing about like the intangible things, like that feeling of feeling insecure all the time, or feeling like an imposter all the time, or feeling inadequate, or never feeling like they fit in, or feeling like a black sheep. And I, my whole life, felt like I was the only person that felt like all these things. I, I walked around with that feeling of inadequacy and felt like a black sheep, even when I was playing football at like a good level. I just didn't feel like I was good enough. I said, they must have made a mistake. Why are they picking me every week? You know what I mean? Then I'll be hanging around with the lads. Going, Why do these lads even hang around with me? Which these don't even like me, you know? And just this feeling all the time. And then hearing other people describe them same things and that feeling of, well, I'm not the only one. And that relief that I felt, man, and that sense of connection that I felt. And, you know, it's it's... I remember hearing someone telling me this story before and it just talk, it, it talks about how one addict helps another addict you know and this lad's stuck down a dark hole and he can't get out of it and he's screaming and he's roaring he's asking people for help and a priest walks past the hole and sees him down there and throws him down a pair of rosary beads and he's, and he's down there with his rosary beads and he still can't get out and then a millionaire walks past and he says please mate would you help me get out of this hole and the millionaire writes him a cheque and throws it down and now he has his cheque and his rosary beads but he's still stuck down the hole then a doctor walks past and says, please, doctor, will you help me get out of this hole? 
And the doctor looks down, writes him a prescription, throws it down and walks away. And he has his rosary beads, his prescription and his check. But he's still stuck down on his home and he can't get out of it. And he's screaming and he's roaring and he's giving up hope. And he's, he's feeling like thrown in the towel and just like, I can't get out. You know, and next thing another recovering an alcoholic walks past and looks down and sees him down there. And he jumps down the hall with him. And your man says, what are you doing, mate? Now the two of us are stuck down here. And your man says, yeah, mate, but we've been down here many times and I'll show you the way out, follow me. And that's the beautiful thing about recovery. You know, oh, that there's God. other people that's been in the darkness, man. And you know what? When I was struggling with my drinking, I remember going to therapists and they said, oh, it's childhood trauma, that money will pass. And I remember going to doctors and saying, look, I can't stop drinking. And he said, oh, just try, you know, cut down on it, you know, just try have one every night or try moderate it. Hey, and that didn't... And that, yeah, and that didn't work, you know, and it wasn't until I went talking to someone else that was through addiction and now in recovery and they shared their experience, strength and hope with me. And that's what, that's what got me sober, you know, was someone else that was, that walked the same path as me. And that's why I think it's so important. You know, we were talking about, you know, before the podcast, we, you're having a conversation with like the media, I won't give out too much, like, you know, but... And how someone's going to read your story and be like, well, I'm not the only one, yeah. you know, and that's that's shining that light in the dark, like, you know what I mean? I think that's the important thing when, you know, we talked earlier on the podcast about our pain being our motivator, but your pain is also someone else's survival guide, you know? Yeah. You touch that stove and you can share that experience with someone else that's going through something and you're like, well, you know, straight away you get that connection you get that rapport because you've also been in the pain. You know what I mean? And yeah, that's why I love you, that. someone else won't get the connection with a therapist or a doctor because they don't. They've only learned it through a book. You know what I mean? Whereas you've learned firsthand what it's like to be in that pain, to be in that rock bottom, to be in the grips of addiction, and this is how you've recovered from it. Like you know, and I think yeah, that's I the thing, man. Like painful experiences is wisdom. Like if you met any wise person. You know, you, 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 they've come from really, uh, like you could say, traumatic or painful past, and that's transcended into wisdom now. Like if you seen someone walking, yeah, if you seen someone walking the road and they scars and bruises all over their face, you're like, Chase, they had a, they must have had a tough paper around growing up, you know. But if you could see some people's hearts and see the scars and the bruises on it, you think the same thing. But we can't see that, and it's usually the people oh. that are hurting and scarred the most. That are that 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 are that, that come across the most are hiding. They're the best at hiding. You know, it's like the old saying: the guy that's the loudest in the room is usually the loneliest or the most insecure. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. the people that are carrying the pain are usually the best ones at hiding. Yeah, I love it. That's even remember when I brought out me my first video on Instagram. This is early this year, and I was absolutely terrified to do it. Terrified to do it, but I just knew a few people that were going through the same thing that I was going through. And I remember just the responses I got. People that we knew me whole life messaging me and all, like, who did you go for counselling? And, like, I just couldn't believe the amount. Like, even to this day now, we get, like, messages daily of just, like, people asking for advice or my opinion on things. And, like, I always used to just feel like, like, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a counsellor. Like, like, why are people asking me this and all? But it is, it's true. It's because I suppose I've walked in them shoes and, I've put, put my, like, there's stuff even on, on my Instagram that, like I, did, like, I didn't really want to talk about, like, about, like, when I wanted to commit suicide and stuff like that, and, and I don't know, I feel like the, the more open I am, like, I don't mind being, like, even a like, guinea pig, if you want to say that, but just putting my story out there, being open, and then other people can see that, that just not alone, and breaking the stigma and addiction, and, because I know I would have asked for help a lot sooner if I wasn't so worried about what are people are, you know, because I know when I was going through the addiction, people were laughing at me. So, like, I literally went through the addiction for four or five years. I'm back now, better than ever, and then people are still talking, you know. So, it's, like, just worrying about what other people think as well, I think, is a, is a huge problem. But that's basically just why I'm so open. I just, I just want other people to be open. And lots of people have contacted me and say they're in touch with this counsellor and in touch with rehab and all. And that's what it's all about at the end of the day, isn't it? Yeah, man, and that's what keeps you sober. You know what I mean? That's what keeps you sober is helping other people. Because I remember that in the early days was trying to, you know, trying to help someone, you know, when we'd be meeting up and, you know, having coffees and trying to talk to them and 
you know, trying just, and they got a few weeks sober, and, and then I remember getting a phone call, and they were drunk, and I remember being devastated that they fell off the wagon after everything we'd done, and trying, trying so hard to help them, and blah, blah, blah. And I remember talking to my sponsor about it, and he said, yeah, call him, like, yeah, but that kept you sober for that period, you know, and, and, and you know, and how did you feel during that time helping someone else, and, you know, I said, geez, I actually felt great, you know, because I was so wrapped up in myself, my own problems, as you said, what people thought about me, my money, my relationships, my yeah. job, bloody blah, and then when I started helping this other dude, I just stopped focusing on myself and started focusing on someone else, and, and the relief that I got in that, you know what I mean? And it's like yeah. that, Mark Twain, a quote, the best way to cheer yourself up is to try to cheer someone else up, like, you know, and I think yeah, that's what it comes down to, man, um, how, you, how you have to give it away to keep it, like, you know. Yeah, help yourself and then help others, you know, that's why, yeah. like, like, I really, that's why I'd love to really try to get a career out of, like, just, like, basically just helping people, you know, because it, it is tough, like, especially when my picture went viral, like, there in January, like, I had over 3,000 messages, like, wow. and... I like I got now I got back to basically nearly every single one. There was a few dodgy ones that didn't go near, you know, a few <laughs> few people offering me plane tickets over to them to Birmingham and all. I was like, no way. Ah, a few like I mean crazy people like hey, I'll give me right. this much money, send me this picture of your ah crazy. No, I just I would have I would have given in to that to go to Birmingham. <laughs> A lovely weekend away in Birmingham. Go on. Yeah. <laughs> it is, you know, it's a hard thing when you're when you're working full time and you're you're trying to message everybody back and you yeah. you want to give them the best advice you can as well, but you can only really just tell them what worked for you and yeah. I feel like I've been doing a good job in any way. Yeah, that's it, man. It's a, your own example is the best message you give to anyone. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're you're living it, you know what I mean? It's exactly, not about yeah. what you're telling people, it's not it's not about promoting it, you know what I mean? It's about attraction, you know, and people say, Well, wow, he's gone from that to that, you know, no, we want a bit of that. And it's like if you want what I have, then do what I do, sort of thing, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But come here, I know we're coming up on the time, so I know you've been mulling over this question. So I'm dying to hear <laughs> your your much improved answer. No, I'm only joking. So <laughs> throw it on us. What what is what if what in your conception of your understanding of your analysis what is what is happiness, Dave? Happiness Let us to know. me is a state of mind. There's things like getting new runners, getting a new watch, and they will only bring you a few moments of pleasure. But true happiness to me is an inside job. It's the way you look at things and it's the way you look at life. That's what happiness is to me. That's beautiful, man. Love it, man. <laughs> you nailed it. You absolutely Thanks, nailed it. I've had a few sleepless nights over that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it, bro. Roy, what's, what's the greatest advice you've ever gotten? The best advice I've ever gotten would have been off me counsellor, and that is don't stop trying. You only fail when you stop trying. I love that, man. What does fail stand for? First attempt in learning. Oh, I've never heard that before. I'll write that one down. There yeah, you go. What's the worst advice you've ever gotten? Eh... Uh, I was thinking about this as well. I won't really call it the worst advice I've ever gone, but it was basically just when I was like trying to get clean and just basically just people just saying to me, look, you have to do this. This is the only way you can get clean. If you don't do this, you can't get clean. When there's just so many different avenues you yeah. can go down and it's just all about finding what I won't say it was worst advice because that person done that and it worked for them. But I just feel like what works for someone might not work for another person. It's all about finding what works for you. you know? but, yeah, I love that, man. That's it, man. There's more than one way. Look, there's more than one way to get into town. You can get the bus, you can get the dart, you can walk, you can cycle, you can run, you can get the space hopper, you can get the electric skewer. There's more than one way to get there. You know, it's not exactly. one always fix all. Once it's exactly. positive and you're not harming yourself, you're not harming others. That's, that's the main Go one. for it. What, what advice would you give to, your, give to yourself when you felt at your, at your lowest? It's... What advice would I give myself? Oh, it's just tell them basically that better days are ahead. And man, I, I know I keep saying it, but it's just keep trying. Like if you just keep trying, if you fall, get back up. Just keep if you keep trying, you'll get to where you're gonna be eventually. Like you'll get to what you want. I just think trying is the main thing because I, I know a lot of people just like oh, I want to get better or I want to get off this, but they're not doing anything. You know, they're just mm. talking. Like you just really just have to throw yourself into everything, try everything, and 
no matter you can get anything you want in life just once you just keep trying you know I love that I love that Dave it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you man you're an absolute gent and a fucking inspiring incredible phenomenal human being and I'm very blessed and grateful to be walking the the sober journey with you into the into the destiny and destiny and I'm trying to sound like Mark Reilly's here <laughs> Into the into the inevitable happiness of, of sober living. So it's been an absolute pleasure, Davy. I'll catch you in the ocean soon for an elf dip. And uh, thanks, bro. 44, here we come. Yeah. Colin, absolute pleasure, man. Thank thanks, you bro. so much. Remember, don't judge a man from the heights he has climbed, but from the depths he has risen. Oh, That's man. You, you learn more from your rock bottoms than you do from your mountaintops. <laughs> there you go. Full of wisdom, the book of knowledge. Thanks, yeah. bro. Top man, top man.